Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. edition of All Marine Radio here on the ninth day of May. You know, I was just watching a commercial about Tunnels to Towers. It's a 501c3 organization that dedicated to a firefighter. But they broaden their mission. So if you're a Gold Star family, they will build you a home. So I guess the question is, is the um, if you're a Gold Star spouse, um, not a parent, but a spouse, um, does the government do enough for you? The SGLI benefit is I thought it was 450000 SGLI is 400000 for those who die from wounds, injuries, or illness that are combat or in combat training related. So $400,000, is that enough? Should more be done? Should it be, we'll buy, we'll build you a house? I think in most states, children go to college. If you're a gold star, Hold on one second, and I'll tell you. So build you a house. Scholarship opportunities for surviving family members. 
scholarships. Hmm. How about free college tuition? Free college tuition, I would think, for spouses and children. Hmm. Interesting question. Right? Do we do enough? So if you lose your spouse um, in a military training accident, does the American military do enough? Why is somebody having to build them a house? Hmm. Is the is death gratuity not enough? To build a house and then to put enough money in the bank that would last you. I mean, houses aren't cheap around the country. Talk about multiple hundred thousand dollars, you know, if you have children. Hmm. Interesting little question. Um, one would think that, you know, we, we would do the right thing and set them up for success, given that their, their spouse, their father, mother, given their life for the country. Interesting. I don't know that $400,000 is enough. Hmm. Uh, just a thought. So good morning to you on a Monday. Um, Jeff Kenny and Tim Lynch are going to join me. We'll hear, we'll hear from Will later in the week. Will, on uh, the last of his unmarried children, his son, uh, got married over the weekend. So Will outdoing that. So um, we will hear about that uh, later in the week. So congratulations to the Costantini family. So I know they were looking forward to the event. The event. So we'll hear from Will. But uh, today I want to talk to Tim and, and uh, Jeff, both recruiters, about, you know, you continually see um, headlines in the in the paper about recruiting that all the branches of the military are struggling, uh, that the Navy, the Air Force, the Space Force, and the Army are all offering bonuses um, to go to boot camp, essentially, to sign up, to serve, and to go to boot camp um, immediate, immediately. Um, $10,000, dollars $50,000, depending on the... Um, depending on your ability to qualify for certain um, certain bonuses and whatnot. Um, yeah. Yep. So we'll talk about that. And this whole, um, if, you, if you look at the nation now, right, we have more and more young people uh, on behavior-modifying drugs, right, Ritalin, to name the most prominent, um, and all it's got to do is, is do a search on Ritalin abuse. And the discussion you wander into is, is this stuff prescribed too quickly for behavioral problems among children? So anyway, um, but it, what that does is it shrinks the pool. Obesity shrinks the pool as well. 
So you're looking at demographic trends in the nation that are shrinking the pool of eligible candidates. And that's that's an ongoing story, right? And then recruiters across the country have been shut out of high schools for the last two years because they haven't been in session. That's a problem. That's a problem. So it'll be interesting to hear uh, Will and Will, Jeff and Tim uh, discuss that uh, as former recruiters um, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to get their thoughts on that uh, here. And I uh, hope you had a good weekend. Um, I've been out traveling and speaking, so I got home Saturday. Yesterday was recovery day, so I watched the Yankees, split a double hitter yesterday. And if you're not watching the National Hockey League, oh, my God. The NHL playoffs are the best. If you're not a hockey fan, you should be. You want to talk about guys that get after it. It's like, it's the best hockey you've ever seen. Desperate people doing desperate things. Um, Awesome stuff. And with a fair amount of physical violence in it, which only makes it better. Yeah, that's right. Sorry about that. For the all, all we are saying is give peace a chance, crew. You might not want to watch, but for everybody else, shit's awesome. The um, yeah. So good morning on this Monday morning. The United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. <laughs> Dedicated to everybody because of my reading uh, who does recruiting out there. Uh, Good luck. Um, I think anybody who's ever done it knows that probably recruiters in in the American military and specifically the United States Marine Corps uh, face probably the most difficult circumstances where you've had schools shut down, access to to your pool shut down for a couple years. And, uh, yeah, in the midst of it, all the other services are bonusy people and Marine Corps, yeah, we don't do that. So, good luck to you.
you're betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't. We don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago: persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. We'll check the weather very briefly. Currently, it's sunny and 59 in Quantico. Now, I don't know if this is a uh, typo or not. But it says snowing and 25 degrees at Cherry Point. That's because it says Alberta, Canada. (laughs) I knew something was wrong. 29 Palms is sunny in 52. Here at the home of All Marine Radio, it is 58 degrees under mostly sunny skies. Looking for a high today of 67, 68 tomorrow, 69. On Wednesday, Thursday, 77, Friday, 80. So, got that going for you today. We're going to check some news headlines quickly. And then, uh, and the Mensa Brothers minus uh, will join me. So, um, yeah, we'll check the news here real quick. Some headlines, anyway. Um, Top headline is Stars and Stripes. Ukraine is rebuilding cities as fast as Russia is destroying them. Hmm. The rebuilding effort is imbued with a sense of optimism that Ukraine will outlast Russia's assault. Volunteers are mostly carrying it out, allowing government funds to remain focused on the war. Um, yeah, you look at the destruction. Uh, and... Um, Yeah, I mean, you're looking at World War II type stuff, destruction. Another headline, Taiwan invasion would be risky move for Chinese leadership, defense experts say. So this has been an interesting spinoff from the Russia v. Ukraine event. Um, This is in the Stars and Stripes as well. An effort by Beijing to invade Taiwan would become a huge disaster for China. 
if the move provoked a Western response similar to the one that followed Moscow's invasion of Ukraine, security experts believe. Even without a U.S. military response, I seriously question the Chinese ability to seize and then hold the island. Ralph Costa, the president emeritus of Pacific Forum, a think tank in Hawaii, recently told Stars and Stripes, quote, especially if the rest of the world responded similarly to how it has responded to Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine, with massive amounts of military and equipment and severe political and economic consequences for the attacker. So anyway, interesting story there. Um, something that continues to be written about and speculated about. North Korea fires suspected submarine-launched ballistic missile, according to South Korea. That is a, uh, again, more steps, right? More steps. Pentagon awards nearly $137 million for Ukraine weapons acquisitions as Marines and Army and the United States Army spend about $1.5 billion to backfill U.S. stockpiles. So we were talking about that uh, that story is an interesting story because, you know, well, we're just going to, you know, fire up the production line, right? And then you read that, yeah, it's probably going to take four years to, four years to do that. Um, top story in the Wall Street Journal, tech shares lead decline as stock extends as stocks extend sell-off. There's another, again, um, another interesting story, the surprising backstory of how the Steele dossier was created. And then another headline, Putin uses Russia's Victory Day parade to justify the invasion of Ukraine. So Vladimir Putin doesn't look well. When you look at pictures of him, pretty fit guy, looks rather puffy these days. I'm not sure to make what to make of that. Um, that's the Wall Street Journal. New York Times top story is on Victory Day, Putin offers no path to the war's end. Zelensky rebuts Putin's speech. From the Washington Post, their top headline is, on Victor Day, Putin defends invasion but doesn't escalate. So a little bit of a different twist from the Washington Post. Better the news. From USNI News, United States Naval Institute News. Interesting story. Uh, there's a um, headline, Worship Moskva was blind to Ukrainian missile attack, analysis shows. 
can that be? How can you be operating the region and blind to a missile attack? Hmm. Not really sure how that happened. USS George Washington sailor deaths by suicide three in a week prompts Navy to investigate manning in maintenance. So the USS George Washington has been in dry dock for like four plus years. Nuclear, um, nuclear carrier being refueled with nuclear fuel. However that process is, I'm not sure if it's on schedule, not on schedule. It's hard for me to believe that we take these things offline for five years. But anyway... Um, so while in this state, they had three deaths in a week, right? So the Navy's searching for answers for, for that. The other interesting story that's not in USNI News, but you don't have to go too far to look for it, um, and that is that the CNO has removed certain books from his reading list, the Chief of Naval Operations. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of an interesting story that you'll see bouncing around out there. Top story in Marine Corps Times is this Marine was nearing college graduation when she died in Kabul. Her sister walked for her instead. Sergeant Yohani Rosario Pichardo was among 13 service members killed when a suicide bomber detonated outside the Abbey Gate of Hamid Karzai International Airport. While Rosario Pichardo was not able to finish the degree she was taking online, Columbia College in Missouri decided to honor her Saturday at its commencement ceremony. Her sister, Rosie Rosario Pichardo, walked at graduation and was presented with a posthumous human services degree by Columbia College President David Russell. So, very cool thing. And congratulations to the university for doing that. Top five stories in early bird today are number one, training weapons intel. The U.S. military slow slide towards a confrontation with Russia over Ukraine. So it should I should have read training comma weapons comma intelligence. The U.S. military slow slide towards a confrontation with Russia in Ukraine. Next story. U.S. military risks a decline in female troops under row rollback. I wouldn't even comment on that. 
I would tell you that, I don't know, the hysteria that surrounds the Supreme Court uh, I, pending decision, it's not final yet, uh, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Um, next, Air Force puts good behavior front and center in revised guidelines for enlisted airmen. Next, new rules prevent Army and Air Force commanders from denying leave to obtain an abortion. Next, it's all bullshit. Broken military justice system jeopardizes trust and puts service members at risk. Uh, overseas operation, the First Lady, Jill Biden, thanks U.S. troops in Romania amid the Ukraine war after she went to the Ukra- Ukraine, right? Headlines from the war in Ukraine. Ukraine to get dozens, a dozen howitzers from Germany and the Netherlands. Here's a story from the New York Times. One village at a time. The grinding artillery war in Ukraine. And again, just destroy city after city after city as the Russians wage war on the Ukrainian population. Uh, This is from Reuters. Ukraine troops retreat from Popayansk and Luhansk. Popazna, Popazna and Luhansk, the governor confirms. Doesn't fear dead. This is a story from overnight. After Russian bomb levels a school in Ukraine where people were were sheltering. And then today from the Washington Post, as the war grinds on, the definition of victory remains murky. That is a... uh, relatively quick look at the headlines um and now without further ado tim lynch and jeff kenny join me on a monday on this monday morning joining me from the western white house in uh close proximity to uh but i would say there's elements of style that separate richard nixon from jeff kenny but relative to physical proximity very close to President Nixon's former Western White House. Jeffrey, how are you? Good. I'm like two miles away from from old uh, Tricky Dick's front yard right now. And if you've never been there, it's a pretty swanky little... Uh, actually, it's beautiful. It's out on a point. Um, house is beautiful, old uh, Spanish house. If you've never seen it uh, and you're in the vicinity of San Clemente, uh, I think it's now a national park and you can go check it out. But uh, you might want to do that. And, uh, and there's Maria... There's Marine officer housing right there. So when I was in that housing, I was like 200 yards from Tricky Dick's house yeah. or his yard or whatever. Right yeah. That's probably some of the best living in, in the nation in terms of right. uh, military housing. Right. I mean, literally right on the beach. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. called the point, isn't it? Something like it's, that. Uh, it's uh, San Mateo Point. San Mateo yeah. Point. And uh, from uh, McAllen, Texas is Tim Lynch. Tim, good morning. How are you? Doing fine, Mac. How about yourself? Good. You want to brief us on the cut on your face? What happened? No, not 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 particularly. I had a had a little little class one uh, shaving mishap, 
and it's blood enough to have to put a stupid Band-Aid on it. And I hate it when I do that. No. But soon I'll have Jeremy's razors. I'll get rid of these old crappy razors from the uh, <laughs> from are, the woke razor company and go to the new Jeremy. What razors. are Jeremy razors? Oh, there was a. It, it, I, I guess it was Ben Shapiro's outfit put together what was called the greatest commercial of all times because the, the people that were that were advertising on their shows, the razor guys, which wasn't uh, the Dollar Shave Club, it was the other one. Um, they they had dropped or stopped advertising on Ben Shapiro's show over reactions to like the Florida abortion law or something like that. Harry's shave, or what, yeah, Harry's, that... yeah, Harry's. So Harry's had stopped, and then Jeremy, which is like a guy within that organization, he put together this commercial, and it's hysterical. You know, where he he shows up and he's just doing everything politically incorrect, calling out Harry's uh, uh, razors for being crappy and not advertising on their show, and it's do not hurry, right? So, um, which is a, its own bit of insanity, uh, because if you could see the theater of the absurd that they're doing this to you in, you would know that hurrying is the only COA, right? But honestly, it's sage advice when you're not in the hysteria of that, of that uh, place, Officer Kenneth School, because... You do need to move quickly, and but you do not need to rush or hurry. So there's a there's there's an infinite wisdom in it. So, but this cut on it's Tim's. Let me. So if you look at Tim's nose, as as right in the center of the clock. Okay, this is at about four o'clock. Mickey's big hand is at four, and that's where Tim's cut is. How did you? It's above. His upper lip, and it's to the right as you're looking well, at the clock of his. What's that thing you call the uh, the trough that go, runs from your nose down to your lip? What's that thing called? I don't know. It's the below the septum trough. What? But that's not what it's called. Below the septum I, trough. I don't know what this particular. You're a, you're a physician, for God's sake. <laughs> I was a corpsman 25 years ago. That's Thank you. Thank difference. you. No, there's not. What was your nickname at OCS? Well. Doc, to, to explain Doc, how this happened. Oh, Doc Lynch, oh, which Doc. makes you the most qualified medical professional on the show. Jeffrey would should yeah. know that. That's a little piece of Rain Man trivia, Jeffrey. Yeah. It's called the snot gutter. <laughs> that's a good one. That's the that's Latin. Hey, that's the Latin term. Latin, that's the Latin, Latin. That's the Latin term for it. Mucosidus trophus or something like that. But but back to the infliction of this injury, I've noticed as I've gotten older, I'm not a herzoot man. I don't have much body hair. Anyway. I don't. I can't grow a beard worth a damn. I don't have much hair on my body. I, my my body takes all the energy that would have been expended growing these ferocious displays of facial hair and, and uses it for more important pursuits. <clears throat> At least that's my theory. So I'm finding that I get these little damn bits of hair up here, and I can't get at them with my stupid hairy shit razor and i was sitting there pulling this thing down trying to get because a little that that's so disconcerting to have a a little tuft of hair shooting off the left side of your septum you know it's just gross so i was trying to get at that, that little detail which when i was a younger man i didn't have to worry about i i didn't have that much hair shit in boot camp i shaved like every third day i was worse than jeffrey as far as being a uh um what do they call that a soft soft beard yeah, I was a soft beard for all my life. Couldn't even grow a beard in Afghanistan. It was ridiculous. 
but you had a pretty good, you had a pretty good goatee going there, Jay Bad. Yeah, I can do the goatee. Yeah, but the but the filling in part, there's like big old gaps where there's just no hair grows. But apparently, there's a new a new hot spot for hair, which is right below my septum, and getting at that with those crappy old razors, not very easy to well, do. Well, let me give you some advice. I have two razors, shit. all right, because my younger son Patrick used to give me shit about that. Why don't you get those hairs right underneath? Yeah, um, that's the one. Yeah, right underneath your nostrils. <clears throat> and it like it would genuinely bother Patrick. So I was shaving with a Gillette Fusion Pro Glide razor. Now, the, I won't bore you with the. Well, I will bore you with the the nuances. It's got a big head for a razor. So when you try to do precision guided shaving of nuanced areas, it does not work. But if you go to the Gillette Mach 3, retailing for $30 and you get four blades, it's got a smaller head and you can get it up into the quote unquote hard to get places. So the huh. key is it's got to have a smaller head. So what yeah. I do is I use a fusion for the cheeks, the neck and your chin and all that. And then for the more nuanced area, for the artistry part of the shave, I do use the uh, Gillette Mach 3. No, that's a, that's good advice because my wife was threatening me with a goddamn hot wax thing. She won't tolerate it. Oh, she goes, dude, you fix it or you're going to get the wax. Don't, and I'm like, no, don't. That, that's do not, not good. incorporate female beauty techniques into your life. No, it's a Bushido violation. I, I explained oh, no. to her what a Bushido violation is. I don't this think cannot she gets be. This cannot be. <laughs> all right all right jeffrey any comments about shaving what do you shave with do you have any idea i uh yeah i use a track two i got like a shitload of them and uh you know the track two razors double blades the old-fashioned yep. thing yep. yep i go i go against the grain so i get a smooth shave do you go so, with, did, you go, to, did you go I, with the grain first to cut it down and then against the grain yeah. or do you go against the grain Precisely. because you're just an a, aggressive guy no, precisely. I go with it and then against it, and uh, and uh, and I too have I've wounded myself multiple times shaving. When does it normally occur? That. Is there a certain spot? Mine is my chin, my chin. Yeah. Uh, what chin, about you? Yeah. Same thing, chin, and sometimes upper lip, above, you know where the mustache would be, but so usually my chin a little bit, a little snag there, and then I got to fucking stick tissues and shit in there. And, can you, uh, you know, can you grow a mustache, Jeffrey? I've never seen you with one. I can. But I don't. Yeah, I, I cannot either. I'm Northern European, follically challenged. Right? Never, 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 never. All right, uh, let's talk about Mother's Day. Um, Jeff, you're the only one of us that has a mother that's still alive. What did you do for your mom? So I sent her um, flowers and candy, uh, and then uh, I called her, talked to her for about 20 minutes or so. She doesn't like to talk on the phone. Um, so I managed to keep her on there for about 20 minutes. And then my brother, uh, my sister back in Connecticut, taking her to, uh, took her to a restaurant, some Italian restaurant there in uh, central Connecticut. So wait a minute. And, uh, wait, wait, I thought she was in Florida. She's in Florida for about uh, a quarter of the year. She's oh, there for like three or four months. She's a snowbird. Yeah, she's back in, uh, she's back in Connecticut now. Right, 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 right. Um, all right. Um, we'll go around the horn, starting with Tim. Give me a great, funny moment that you had with your mom. Maybe some, something that surprised you that she did that made you laugh. 
Um, Tim? Well. Do you, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you two from my mom. The first time I ever heard my mom say fuck, okay, which was moderate shock to me. Um, we move into my ha- My dad gets a job in Major League Baseball. He's now the manager of the Oakland A's. We moved from the house I grew up in <clears throat> to the house that would quickly become an unhappy place, and my parents would ultimately divorce. But my mother got to design that house, and she designed the whole. She designed the shit out of it. She designed the house. She picked out everything. She did. The, she designed the landscaping. So we move into the house. We have a cat named Sam. Sam's outside. Sam gets attacked and set upon by a dog who rips a hole in his throat, almost kills him. So Sam, in a fit of PTSD, I can only surmise, um, does not like to go outside anymore. So Sam, unbeknownst to us, because it's summer when we move in, Sam begins to urinate down the central air conditioning vents in the floor. Exactly. Exactly. Sam's he was smart. He's a smart cat, as you might as you might surmise. So, all of a sudden, the winter comes right in Sacramento. Get, the temperature begins to drop, and my mom turns the heat on, and the house smells like the inside of a cat's bladder. And I can only, I'm you know using inductive logic because I've act, never actually been in the inside of a cat's bladder, but. It is horrendous in our beautiful new home, okay? And my mother cannot figure out what is, like, where is this smell coming from? So I remember sitting, I think I'm in the living room or I'm in the dining, I think I'm in the dining room, and uh, which is just, you know, a part of the kitchen, doing my homework, and I hear, my mom's walking through the house, and then she yells, oh, my God. Fucking God, right? My mother. (laughs) She caught the cat squatting on the vent. She grabbed the broom and she chased that poor fucking deranged cat. And um, yeah, Sam. That was the first thing. The second thing is my mom came to Fleet Week. My mom, um, my grandmother was raised in a convent. And she was... um, my grandmother was a daughter of a uh, mining executives who made their money in Alaska. Yeah. And um, <laughs> living in Seattle. And so she was raised in a convent and the family was wealthy. And so my grandmother always, I, I used to hear about this store, Nordstrom's, when I was a kid. Oh my God, in <laughs> Seattle, we have this store called Nordstrom. Oh, it is the best. And I remember when I first finally saw it in other parts of the country, I was like, oh, that's a store my mom talks about. My grandmother immaculately dressed as a woman, right? So my mom, very much the same way. Um, I'm on the Ranger. We go to Fleet Fleet Week. We go up to San Francisco. And my mom's living in Sacramento at the time uh, where we, I was raised. And she comes down uh, with one of my sisters. And uh, they come aboard the ship. Now, you know how you put out all the, the, the most popular displays during Fleet Week are run by the Marines. Okay, because you go up on the flight deck of some ship and you look at a plane, dur dur dur. But the machine, but the Marines have machine guns on pedestals. You could put on a helmet, a flak jacket. You could grab a rifle, right? So it's a carnival there, right? 
and the Marines attempting to collect phone numbers of every halfway decent-looking girl early in the day and then any girl <laughs> later in the day. So anyway, that's yeah. the event. For recruiting purposes. Exactly. <laughs> so my mom is there, and so I said, do you want to take a picture with the machine gun? And she looks at me. She goes, Michael. She goes, I don't know. I said, you have to. Okay. And my, now, again, my mom's from, she grew up in, you know, rural Washington. So she's not a, a you know, a, you know, although she's a feminine woman, she's not, you know, she's no stranger to work. And I said, but mom, when you hold this thing, you have to hold it like you're going to shoot somebody with it. Okay. Don't hand it. Don't hold it like a doofus. All right. And she goes, okay. So I have this great picture of my mom and I, I'm a first lieutenant, right? In my dress blue, whatever. What's the short sleeves shirt called? Uh, Charlie shirt. Yeah. yeah, My dress blue Charlie. You're in Delta's if it's short sleeve shirt. What the fuck? What the fuck, Timmy? Charlie's is what you wear. Not in Delta's unless you get the blue, the blue uh, trousers on with the red stripe. I'm on on sea duty. So of course I am. Max said he was wearing blue trousers. He was like us on recruiting duty, Tim, in good weather. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm standing there, motivated first lieutenant, right? And uh, with my sea service deployment ribbon with a peacetime P on it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so, and I'm standing there with my hands on my hips like I own real estate or some shit. And, and here's my mom with a serious look on her face with an M60 machine gun, like holding it like she's going to shoot somebody with it. So I uh, now just two funny memories of my mom. So with that said, Timmy, give me a couple of memories of your mom. Well, it's it's funny because my parents too bought a house that my mother helped design. It was the house, the last house they bought because they divorced from there. What stimulated that was not. Do you think uh, there's I, some? Do you think there's some? Stay away from designing houses together because it, it will lead. I, it will I, lead to divorce. I don't know. But what stimulated it wasn't my dad got a sudden raise in pay. It was my mother uh, jumping into the real estate market in, what, 1974, 75 Annapolis. You couldn't have timed it better. Oh. And she was making a killing as far as that goes. And at that same year, for whatever reason, she decided I was going to go Martin Spaulding, which was an all-girls Catholic school that – the 1975 decided they wanted to have a male students wanted wanted male students, and they recruited lacrosse players to have a lacrosse team that first year. So I was recruited, free ride, but I had to go drive the Glen Burnie, and uh, there was a couple of uh, neighbor guys that would went, went uh, would carpool with me. And one day, one of these guys broke into a display and stole all the presents for it. If you sell so much, you know you're going to win a camera. I forget what the hell was in there. But I, I walked out as we were waiting for our ride home. I saw what he had done. I'm like, put that shit back in there. What the hell's wrong with you? Which he did. I made him put it back. And I got expelled for not reporting him. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I didn't say crap, but it was clear that somebody had gone in there. And it wasn't hard to figure out who was around then. And it got him the crack in an instant. And my mother came there and defended me <laughs> like, like you've never seen. I didn't raise a fucking rat. He didn't take anything. He told him to put it back. My son did exactly what I told him to do. And you're going to, and blah, blah, blah. And she, she browbeat them enough that even though I was expelled in the spring and missed like a good half of lacrosse season, I still was given credit for that. And it was, uh, it was papered over. So I didn't have to admit to having been expelled from a high school when I went to re- get 
uh, recruiting. And I was very proud. And then she shocked me because she had this big ass Buick four door sedan. As soon as I got my driver's license, this is a woman who would never even consider buying me a BB gun. She's like, give you a BB gun? What do you think, we're stupid? But I got my license, and as soon as I got my license, I got that Buick LaCrosse, and I was running my sisters and my brother every god. I mean, at 16 years old, I was on in a car going everywhere, running all these damn errands, thinking it was a good deal for about six months. But I was surprised that the, they, they gave me such a big car because I what, didn't think I was that proficient a driver. But I got I got I learned quickly, and I didn't ever damage the car. It was a it was a minor miracle, according to my mom. But she was she didn't care about the car. She's like, I'm not driving people everywhere anymore. <laughs> and that, that was it. That was that was a shocker to me that I got I was given the car. Now, what's your mother's name? Marsha. Marsha Jean Alexander was her maiden name. Yeah, my mom was Mary Kathleen Forden was her maiden name, but she went by Kathleen. She went by Kathleen. Yeah. Jeffrey, what's your mom's name? Carmela Kenny. Carmela? Mm-hmm. A very exotic name. It's an Italian name, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So she's named after my grandmother's uh, sister, Carmela. So it goes way back, you know. Um, my mom, funny story, my mom is the type of mom. I, I got half a dozen episodes through my childhood where she either drugged me or one of my brothers back to a store because we had taken a candy bar or something while she's in there shopping. And she made it into a big humiliating scene. You know, especially I remember my brother, I hear this crackling in the back seat, and I go, oh, here we go. And she goes, what are you doing? Where'd you get that, young man? Uh, the lady gave it to me, Mom. The ladies don't ever give you anything. <laughs> so, you turn back to the store. She brings it. This little thief stole this mouth bar. I am having to pay for it now. Do I have to pay more because he stole it? No, I don't. You, and the guy, and usually the, the people would be bored or, you know, you know, or mildly amused. My, my mother's furious, though, you know. And uh, I remember I wet the bed when I was a guy. I wet the bed until I was like nine or ten years old. Nine years old. And my mom hung the fucking sheets out the house, the second floor window. She goes, there's your flag for sunrise, Peabody. She was, she was ruthless that way, man. She was a hardcore lady. But then she, def- she, she didn't really defend me, but listen to this. I'm in. The, I'm blown up. I'm like 48 years old. I finally get hit in combat, and uh, I'm in the ICU of Bethesda. I'm in there. My roommate is Sergeant Flynn, one of Dave's guys who got hit at Karma around the same time I got hit, and uh, so I'm starting to get where I was getting lucid. You know what I mean? Not so much. Not just from being blown up was I dizzy and stupid looking, or you know, stupid sounding, but because of all the drugs. And I finally was starting to get where I could remember stuff and so we're in there and there's a liaison guy my mother would be there she was there every day my mom and my wife were there every day you know and uh and my mom would she go scurrying around and who knew what she was doing she's a she had been a head nurse in a in a coronary intensive care unit in Hartford oh, Hospital. So oh. she knew her shit you know right and uh my, my sister who's kind of obnoxious she would come and visit you know she came a couple times and she would try and boss the Navy nurses around, and my my mom says, "Mary Ellen, shut your mouth. You're just a school nurse." <laughs> Cut her down. That's like the worst insult, I guess, in the nursing community. You could say, you know, it's like being a pogue in the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> You're a school nurse. So, anyways, we're in there, and this, the, the liaison, Lieutenant Colonel, he goes, uh, "Excuse me, Cur- Lieutenant Colonel Kenny." 
I'm like, huh? Because <laughs> yeah, uh, the commandant can't give you the Purple Heart today because he's not in DC. But uh, you know, uh, he'll he'll give you your Purple Heart day after tomorrow. And me and Lori, my wife, we, we, I'm like, we're dumbfounded. It never occurred to me that I'd even get one. I mean, I just didn't think in those terms, you know. And uh, I look at my wife, and she's got the same dumbfounded look I do. And then we look at my mom, and she's like. I, yes, I did go and speak to the liaison. I asked if the comic could come because your dad and your brother have to go home to Connecticut tomorrow. I thought maybe they, he could. And she goes, that's okay, young man. Thank you for your effort anyway. I'm like, Mom! Mom. <laughs> it was embarrassing. Then two days later, General Hagee came in and gave us a Purple Heart, me and Flynn. Did he apologize for disappointing or pissing off your mother? No, I was, but I was waiting for my mom to say something, but she didn't. Just said, you know, thanks. <laughs> Thank God. My mom did, for the light my up, mom for the light up bitch the out the commandant. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember when I joined the Marine Corps, my dad <clears throat> told me it was it was it, what it was ridiculous. My mother said to me, My mother's the one really that, that encouraged me, you know, to go away to college, to to explore things. When I was interested in the Naval Academy in like fifth grade, she said, "Roll, write them and, and ask them for information. And why don't you do your project on it? And I said, okay. She took me to the library all the time. She'd buy me books, right? <clears throat> and um, But she looked at me and she said, I think you'll love it. <clears throat> I think you'll be great at it, right? Mm. When I, when I, you know, I call my mom and, I mean, again, nobody in my family in the Marine Corps, nobody in my family mm. ever been an officer. So I, I called her and I said, hey, you know, I, I'm going to join the Marine Corps as an officer. And she listened to me, and she just uh, she said, "I think you'll be great at it, and I think you'll love it." And uh, so, anyway, Mother's Day. So, um, yeah, interesting. Um, <clears throat> I want to ask you guys. There's been a series of uh, of articles written about recruiting in the COVID era, and the Army. I think the Army, and the Navy, and the Air Force are offering fifty thousand dollar bonuses. And the Marine Corps, I, I guess all the services have implemented some digital system where they can now pull medical records um, of uh, can a, a potential. Um, what do you call them? What's the appropriate word? Somebody who's considering joining. Well, uh, those are applicants. Applicants. So th there's now this qualified, and our our mission is defined, or it was. I, I probably have a different gender term now, but it was qualified male applicants, a, a.k.a. QMA. That defines your mission. You know, that's like my mission was a certain number in Western Pennsylvania because of the perceived amount of qualified male applicants. And that's defined by high school seniors. Okay. You know, that is the basis. And that's why what you're saying is so dramatic because uh, exactly if the high schools that defines the whole recruiting mission, high school seniors. Got That's it. how you know your numbers, right? All right. <clears throat> let me let me just read you um, headline: Sluggish military recruiting worries Congress. Lawmakers on Wednesday voiced serious concerns that recent military recruiting difficulties may be an omen of sizable personnel shortfalls in the coming years, unless Defense Department leaders can make major changes. But Pentagon leaders said the ongoing recruiting challenges are not at that level of threat yet, and they are working to ensure they don't ever get there. During a budget hearing before the Senate Armed Service Committee, 
personnel officials from the five services characterize this year as arguably the most challenging recruiting year since the start of the all-volunteer force. Through the first five months of fiscal 22, the services had reached only about 23% of its active duty goal for new recruits. But Lieutenant General Harry Gary Brito, Deputy Chief of Staff for the Services for the Services Personnel Issues, said he is still optimistic the Army will reach its target by this fall. Air Force leaders said the service is on track at the moment, but may fall one or two percentage points below levels mandated by Congress. Navy, Marine Corps, and Space Corps officials said they expect to reach their goals, but with some difficulty. Navy officials said they believe they'll have fewer deferred entry candidates this year than expected, potentially creating recruiting problems in future years for the sea service. Um, Recruiters have not, if you read the articles, recruiters have not been able to get into high schools for almost two years. Um, Your thoughts on, uh, I'd just be curious to what you guys have to say the impact of that would be uh, as you try to uh, continue to make mission, but you don't have access uh, because, you know, I, in the article also said that recruiting somebody is a, you know, one to two year process. So uh, your thoughts on recruiting in, in an era of COVID where you don't have the same kind of access, Timmy? Now, first of well, all, Timmy, tell, you, her, you, tell everybody where you, where you recruited. I, I recruited out of Salt Lake City, uh, Utah, which is the largest geographical recruiting station in the country because I was responsible for all of Montana, the unproductive slices of Nevada and Wyoming, where, where the productive slices went to somebody else. Dave got Dave had had one right on my border, had a beautiful high school he recruited out of that was closer to me than him, but that's the way that went. And all of Idaho, with the exception of the northern part, which belonged to Spokane. So I had... I had a, an immense area with a very thin recruiting force because my high school seniors were spread out. So I had one, two, three one-man stations, and you don't want a one-man substation. That's always that's always a fucking bad deal. I had probably a majority of my of my other substations were two-man stations. That's that's okay if you got two good guys, and I only had. One, two, four stations with more than more than two recruiters. One of them being in Boise, Boise being my powerhouse. So explain that was my explain, to, explain to everybody what a recruiting substation is. So a recruiting station is is the headquarters, and in my case it was in Salt Lake City. When it was originally stood up, it was in Park City, but the Marine Corps got smart about that shit because that was nice. Um, and so I have a number of substations, and that's where there's actual recruiters. There's no recruiting done out of the recruiting station. That's the headquarters. The substation is where the actual recruiters are. And I had not only one-man substations, I had substations where recruiters would go in and fire that son of a gun up about once a month just to see if he got any traffic. I had unmanned stations because geographically I was all I was spread all over the place. And so back to what you just read, what the Navy just admitted to is they don't have a pool. They're, they are they are cannibalizing their pool. That's the applicants into the late entry program who are there specifically to get them ready to go to boot camp, which is what you, because you want to have a guy there six, seven, eight months would be ideal, I, longer for some. 
shit, I had I had females that were in the pool for for two and a half years just trying to make weight. One of them actually did. It was it was amazing. She lost 100 pounds. I was proud of her, sort of, not really, but at any rate, the um um. So what the Navy said is they don't have a pool. And what a pool is, is you get these guys in high school. Ideally, you want to get a Jeff Kenny. You want to get a guy who's his junior year is all about it, signs up, has a parents go ahead and sign his paperwork because he, if he's got friends and he's a personal guy, is going to attract more people. Your pool grows your pool and a healthy pool will always bring you a body when you need it. At least that was my, 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 my experience. And you got to, in the recruiters in the substations, they'll hide that pool. They'll, if they got a big pool, they'll be hiding people because they don't want you to come make them over ship, which is what in the 12th district, me, Dave Furness, Paul Kennedy, we had to always overship because of, of our original district commander was a recruiting genius and he knew we could and he would just lean on us. But Navy saying they don't have a pool is bad. The way to combat you know, not being physically in the high schools, I'm not Wait, that me, alarmed me, by it because most of the contact comes from dialing for dollars at the end of the night when you're just sitting there hitting these phone rosters and calling these kids up and asking them. But if you've got a situation like I did up in uh, Montana where the Navy is all of a sudden getting more than its market share because it's got this gigantic bonus, but you've got to look into that. The way to counteract that was to bring in the Marine Corps wrestling team because the wrestling team go to Butte, Montana High School. They'll get the wrestlers out there from the high school. They'll do some warm-ups and stuff like that. And, and everybody, the, the students are all kind of like wondering what's going on. Then they rip off their goddamn sweats and they got those little tanks on. And the teachers gasp. I mean, it's 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 an amazing effect. It's like the teacher's like, oh, my God. And you'll get a lot of referrals out of that high school because what you're trying to portray to them is you, can, you, you these bonuses are for the highly qualified to do stupid stuff for six years. But if you want to look like that, that's that's us. We're, we're the only guys that do that. Let me tell you, man, that wrestling team, oh, that, that's a money maker. That or the Marine Corps Orchestra for the highbrow stuff. But you need to do stuff like that to kickstart yourself, either that or have an area canvassing event, like at a Blue Angels show or something like that, to kickstart things when you're when you're running into dry holes. And they can't do that now. And we're not even talking about the M road that we talked about the last time, that system that, because uh, um, the bottom line for me, the bottom line for me was you approached a recruit as what can you, what can be proved? Not, not did he take Ritalin when he was eight years old? Can you prove that unequivocally? Because if you can't, we can work with you. We can work with you a little bit. You know, we're not talking about people that are on drugs now. We're talking about, you know, far enough back, stupid shit like having a little three dot tattoo and a webbing between your thumb and your finger, which is some kind of East LA gang tattoo. But there was a bunch of kids in Idaho that had done that when they were teenagers, just for the hell of it, you know, getting stuff like that through the system uh, took finesse and it, and it, and it, and it took a willingness to, 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 to kind of massage things, you know, but, and, and it's a double, and that, that too, double-edged sword. Cause at the moment of truth, like, like general finesse told you, at the moment of truth, if those guys start, uh, uh, if you've got them prepped with a story and they go and they fold on that story, then you're screwed. But so you had to know what you're doing. But I, that recruiting is a very difficult process that is completely dependent on recruiter morale. And recruiter morale only happens when you consistently make mission. And a recruiting station commander's got to be the guy that makes everything that's going to go and stick, go and stick. 
not the guy who, like I put in a kid that uh, in February, because I had to have him, the kid was 26 years old. He'd been convicted for manslaughter, drunk driving, and had been actually a, uh, a spokesman for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, had been a prominent uh, a campaigner against drunk driving, and uh, he'd been trying to get in for years. And 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 he was a ROTC kid when he got in his car accident, killed his best friend, he was driving. And I threw his ass up there in February and made it stick because we were desperate. And he got out and said his name was uh, McCoy. Got out as a major. I mean, he made a he wow. made, he actually wow. ended up getting commission. Well, let me so let, you, let you me know, let me read you this. Shit like that's hard to do though. Right, Undersecretary for Defense for person of defense for personnel and readiness, Gil Cisneros, told senators that the post-pandemic labor market, where private companies are competing for small a smaller pool of job candidates has been the biggest challenge for military recruiting and retention. Other lingering issues like rising obesity and drug use among the American public remain problems as well. Jeffrey, your thoughts on uh, COVID, post-COVID recruiting problems experienced by every branch of the American military? Yeah. First, let me just make a couple of comments about what Timmy said, because it's very interesting to me. When I was I was a enlisted Marine before I was, was an officer, and I had, was a recruiter, and I was in the same type of situation, similar type of situation as uh, Tim's guys, and that I was in a rural area. I had Pueblo, had a third of the city of Pueblo, but my most of my area was this huge part of southern Colorado, and I had one of those offices where you drive to it and you open it up, you know, like uh, I did. I was up there every other week, you know, sometimes more, Alamosa, Colorado, and uh, so I had that experience. I was also RCO of RS Pittsburgh, which was all of Western Pennsylvania divided by, uh, like I said, divided it from where state colleges, where Penn State is, to the West. And then I had a little bit of Ohio and a little bit of, uh, I had Wheeling, West Virginia. So um, I had both of those type experiences. Pittsburgh was very urban, you know. So uh, I I had those experiences. And I I have to tell you, it's interesting to hear about a guy's a CO's perception of his recruiters because that's what Tim's is, and uh, but yet I was one of his. It was almost like I was one of his recruiters, you know. And uh, what he says, uh, first of all, it's outrageous that his dad calls me fraud man after the soliloquy he just gave us, where he could be actually <laughs> indicted for some of the stuff that he said. But uh, he loved you, dude. That's I, why I, he I called know. you fraud man because because it's all about making it happen. It's all about making it happen. And your job, like Timmy was saying, as the RSCO, is to make sure that once the guy gets to where he's going to actually enlist and either go to boot camp, which is rare nowadays, or go into the pool, as Timmy referenced, which is common. And and as I said before, everything is defined by a high school senior, just like Timmy was saying. And you want to get that guy, you want to keep him in the pool for a while for two reasons. One, the longer he's... It, Actually, the sweet spot is about seven to nine months, and you can get the kid ready to go and ready to succeed in recruit training. And um, but it, sometimes there's some kids. Everybody's different. You want to get that kid to Paris Island or San Diego immediately because he's kind of rambunctious, and he might rambunction himself right out of the Marine Corps before he's even in it. So you want to, you know, you got to kind of do a a a. a, a, a a capability limitations a size up of your men. And you can't do it because you, you're the RCO and you have sometimes hundreds of these kids. It's the recruiters who do it, just like Timmy said. They got to do that. They got to decide that. And uh, 
and and as and the, because the market's defined by high school seniors, that's where you are. That's where you do. You, you try and call kids from lists that you may get, you know, from the from this high school, uh, you know, from the high schools, and and you work it that way. In, in this situation where there's no attendance of high school, what the teachers are doing, they're doing the Zoom stuff. So the, I would say I would ha- have my uh, recruiter, um, you know, my recruiter uh, uh, specialist, eighty four twelve, that we call them. I would say, look, what we got to do is uh, our guys got to get into this Zoom thing in in some way. So you go to the high schools and you push hard on the Naval ROTC programs and the things that the Marine Corps can give to aid somebody who's uh, can't pay for college right off, but if he qualifies, he can he can uh, you know get the big the jewel and the crown for high school uh, faculty, particularly the guidance people, is going to college. Now we both we all know that college sucks now, you know, and uh, you're better off probably going to a trade school, you know, depending on what type of person you are. But the colleges now are, you know, they're. I wouldn't even send my kid. It'd be like sending them to, to uh, you know, to the red light district downtown. You know, what I mean, to to go. They're just awful, I think. And uh, so, but that's not how they look at it. I mean, when you're a recruiter, like Timmy's talking about, I would go and work out with the wrestling team because I had been a wrestler in high school. And I had just come from first recon battalion and I, I just did that on my own. You know, I didn't, uh, we got, uh, we got some, some visitors sometimes, but not as many as you think. Like I had the Marine Corps drum and bugle corps. I had the silent drill team come to Pittsburgh area and they were a big help. But, uh, really, I think Timmy even said, said this, it's the individual recruiters got to figure that out, but yep. they, they might not be able to figure this thing out because there's no school to go to. There's no personalities. Nobody you can, you know, the recruiter either charms his way in or, you know, or figures out a way to uh, to favor bank his way into the, uh, you know, to where the kids are so he can get access to them. So you find out how the teachers are doing it and you, tr- you try and uh, work off that. And, uh, you know, the other thing is uh, I would uh, I would say that uh, the recruiter's got to figure out ways of getting these kids to, to where you can talk to them. So you, you have uh, – you know, like the big thing is physical fitness, and uh, that that should be the Marine Corps' bailiwick. So you could you say, look, I'm going to have a, a clinic, you know, where the recruiters, the recruiting substation, usually it's like Timmy said, two to four guys, right? And uh, and they run it, and they better run it. And you know, maybe you can get help from the RS. Uh, I had a, I had a really in shape female uh, that worked with me. She was my supply sergeant, but she was a great recruiting tool. So we PT with the high school. You know, we do. We take a whole day of physical fit of uh, of PT classes. You know, of uh, physical fitness classes, and uh, just do it for the gym teachers, and uh, and, what, and never say a word about them joining the Marine Corps. We have like a, we have like a clipboard where it says name, phone number, shit like that. And kids <laughs> are just and they just put and so, but we never say anything. But they see Marines. I have kids out of boot camp. You know, command recruiters and so forth. Right. They see Marines doing something competently, and you know, and uh and that really helped. So it helped us make mission. But uh, this is a, a, a challenging time. But uh, you know the uh, the the discouragement factor. It's it's discouraging being a recruiter because uh, you're like a single combat warrior. You're by yourself most of the time. You got to go convince this kid. You got to convince his mom and his dad. You got to convince his girlfriend. Sometimes you got to keep him. You got to have him stay convinced because a lot of them change their minds. I mean, they're 17, 18 year old kids. You got to keep them motivated. It's uh, and you got 
dozens of them if you're lucky. And uh, so it's hard for that. And it's hard for the crew to keep himself motivated. And nowadays, when the mission's hard, the Marine Corps' traditional uh, view of how do you motivate recruiters uh, has always been, if you don't, if you don't make mission, we're going to fire you and ruin your career. That's it. That's their. That's their. You know, that's the, it. Ain't like a really testy puller type thing, but it's harsh reality. If you can't make this mission, I'll find somebody who can. And so the recruiters have the sword of Damocles hanging over their head. I don't know how they're doing that now. I don't know, you know, what the, uh, you know, what their epistemology is now. But I know that pretty much if you had, a, you had guys just couldn't recruit. And that guy's got to go. And most of the time it's because they just couldn't motivate themselves. I mean, there's, and so, there's so methods every, of, you know. So let me ask you this. Right. So every one of these problems would be exacerbated when you're, when COVID keeps you out of high schools and, and, and some of the ways you access, right, are gone. Yeah. Now you need somebody who's more proficient, who's more inventive, who's more creative, to find those um, yeah. qualified applicants. And there's something right, else exactly. that's, that's different now too. And that is that all these recruiting stations are locked up solid as, as can be. You can't walk into a recruiting substation without having an appointment and, you know, being, uh, I don't, there's not metal detectors, but it's damn near that. No, there is because they're before, in the, they're in the federal building. So there is metal yeah. detectors. Well, yeah, that's where we're, they don't, they don't, they, there may be some in federal buildings, but mostly they're in strip malls. That's where all mine yeah. are. Yeah, are you talking about the strip R- malls, but now they've the got R- these new security R- standards. So, uh, I mean, which, which reduces your traffic of veterans a lot because veterans used to come by and try to cage a free t shirt or a hat or something. Right. And if they had a, a legitimate lead, they would get one. We, I, I never gave them shit unless they gave me a, a, a body, but that was a not a significant component, but 15, 20% year in and year out coming from veterans who are coming looking for stuff, just sitting there shooting the shit saying, I know a kid. I don't think he's going to pop positive on a piss test. Those are like magic words right there. What? A kid? But um, yeah, I mean, recruiting is just, it's, it's, it's straight up fucking hard, hard ass work. And it's not easy to keep right. them motivated. You're right, Mac. The current thing exacerbates all the things that are hard about recruiting. Mm-hmm. So, and, and here's the thing, you know, we were talked a little bit before we recorded about the language of losers. Can you imagine a Guadalcanal if uh, the Marines had said a portion of the Marines, "Hey, look, the Navy is had to leave or got sunk. Um, we're out of food. We're out, almost out of ammo. So it's legal for us to give up, right? No, motherfucker, you're not going to give up." You're gonna you're gonna make bayonets. You're gonna you're gonna figure out. You're gonna steal Japanese weapons. You're gonna you're gonna never are you gonna give up. That's our our ethos, you know. Right. But for a lot of recruiters, they're like, oh, this doesn't make sense. So I'm I've decided that I'm a hero just for putting on this uniform and opening this office every day. Oh no, yeah, we know it's harder, but you got to do it. You got to figure it out, man. I, try and help them. Have you, you have you have you have either one of you heard about? Are we continuing through this whole COVID thing to continuing to relieve uh, RSCOs, recruiting station? Com- Honestly, and let me just I don't know. let me just um, for those of you who don't know, there's a pipeline to battalion command, mm-hmm. and the largest aperture of that pipeline goes through commanding a substation, and this goes back to what 
the the when we went to the all volunteer force gold water nickels right and and it is the hey we we need to take successful combat arms officers and and are are most qualified and and send them to the recruiting stations and we will solve and excel in the business of recruiting that's marine corps recruiting it is it is the way if you want to command to be honest have well, have, have a, you heard anything a, have you heard anything about are we continuing to relieve at the same rate? Have we changed I that? Haven't. Okay. I haven't. I, I, I have not, but also the Marine Corps recruiting uh, station commanders, we're a grade below our counterparts. In in the armies, armies work out of battalions right. with a lieutenant colonel in charge, and they have large, elaborate staffs with shit tons of officers sprinkled everywhere. Um, I don't know what the Air Force does, to be perfectly honest. In the Navy, it was a captain in charge of... Uh, of, of the area that I was working. So I, I, as a major, was far junior than any of my service counterparts, and I had a whole lot less recruiters, obviously. Right. Do, let me, um, will this problem get better or worse in the future? Worse, without a question, particularly if you're going to change your demographics that you're targeting into the older older population, because that's when the that that road data program is going to really bite you in your ass because you can't hide much after you've turned eighteen, and um, no, it's 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 going to turn it's going to chew people up because there's not a lot of sympathy for you out there as Jeff as as Jeffrey knows well. There's yeah. there's not a lot of sympathy even when they put you in a shit place and no nobody expects you to do anything. There's still not yeah. a whole lot of sympathy. Yeah, I would I teach my guys and see if I get access to tests. If I could test people and. Use that as a you know advertisement to just see people to see kids, you know. And then the other thing is, uh, uh, I think it's gonna. I think it should get better. I think because the schools are open again, right. you know. Uh, so they should. They'll have to get in there and, and work hard. But uh, you know, it, it should. You know, having no place to go to close with and, and trap <laughs> your you know your uh, your applicants uh, is the hardest thing. So now though the schools are open, I have to tell you. I think uh, the American public, a large portion of the American public, has a jaundiced eye to things like lockdowns and this thing with the COVID. The least uh, at-risk people are those kids in those high schools, and yet we acted like you know they're they're all going to die, you know, if we send them back to school together. It's uh, it's absurd, and I think right. a lot of people feel that way. So I don't think it'll come back anytime too soon. Although there'll be attempts. Because there's nefarious things that can be done under the guise of, you know, uh, freedoms can be taken away uh, easier if you say it's for your own good, for your own health. Yeah. Next question. Um, when you read these stories and then you see the bonuses that are being offered by every branch of the military. In fact, if you just if you just do a search on recruiting bonuses, um, let's see, Army keeps boosting recruiting bonuses as it struggles to find new soldiers. Um, new recruits can earn up to $10,000 bonuses for attending basic training within 30 days of their enlistment. Air Force now offering up to $50,000 enlistment bonuses for its most dangerous jobs. Space Force offering bon- offering bonuses of $20,000. Navy offering at least $25,000 to recruits who ship before June. Um, as you see these these programs, and these are right uh, time honored things that we do, throw money at people to get them to join. Um, there's always a discussion about the draft. Um, there's see a day because of obesity, and I was just looking up Ritalin. 
um, usage in the United States. And it says that 12% of boys and about 5.5% of girls, uh, young people, are on Ritalin. And that number uh, has continued to climb over over time. Do you ever see a day where the nation would actually have to consider uh, reinstituting reinstituting the draft because we we simply can't make mission tim can, can I, I i gotta point out that those schemes they're talking about are dep and ship that's that's you join now you ship now and that's indicative of a totally broken recruiting service if you are throwing around money to get people to dep and ship i i only is, one what, time what, that what, is, what is what is ship delayed them, entry. what is delayed entry program delayed entry dep program delayed entry program Deputy yeah, yeah, delete entry. That's the depth. Yeah. So you're so you're 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 putting them on the books and you're shipping them right away. I did that one time with a kid we found, but he was a he was a Mormon kid who had been thrown out of his house because he wouldn't go on mission and had been a quarterback at Boise High. It was wasn't like we didn't know who he was. We grabbed him and shipped him and he was an honor grad. It's the only time that's ever happened. Every time I did that after that, it was a disaster. Because you don't so have what? time to prep them, just like Jeffrey was saying. So that's indicative right off the bat of a completely broken recruiting service. And the antidote to that is to have a decent pool program, which is the entire emphasis of the Marine Corps recruiting program. Yeah. But okay, you know, that wasn't, the, that wasn't the question, though. The question was, do, do you see not only, regardless of what you think of their recruiting efforts, uh, mm -hmm. the obesity trend in the country, the drug use, uh, the, the medicating of, of young people, do you see a day when when the nation's going to have to look at the draft because there's simply not the pool isn't big enough anymore? I, I see a day where we should. I don't think we will because I don't think our our uh, our politicians have the stomach to do this to people. Right. Remember, being drafted wasn't a fucking joke, man. That was that was people's entire lives ripped asunder. You know, back back when the draft would happen. And I don't think that the uh, the American public is as coddled and soft as we are now. You think that the public's going to tolerate a, a draft, particularly if you start going after females, which by definition you should do. But, uh, man, how would you like to live in a country where they drafted females for do combat? You, okay, so here's the question. Do you think the country will have to entertain that simply because of the demographics? I, I, think, I think so. I think okay. so, but I think that they'll go for third country nationals instead. Wow, uh, Jeffrey. But I think they'll just lower the standards before they do that draft. Can't get much lower, man. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, man. And uh, when I first came in the Marine Corps, they would have these fat fucks that were able to get in, and they had a special platoon for them. I mean, they're incredible. And uh, there's a guy I was on embassy duty with who uh, was one of them, and they shaved him down, man. He was in boot camp for nine months. Ouch. Yeah. So <laughs> Holy they, shit. Uh, and that was when we had a, a crisis of, uh, because of Vietnam, because of the uh, attitudes of, uh, you know, about half the population, you couldn't make mission recruiting. So they, that's when they instituted the McNamara 100,000 one. No relation. A bunch of, no, no relation. Thank God. Um, the, uh, they, they took the, these kids who were substandard uh, intelligence Low, low test scores on the ASVAB, uh, police involvement, and so, uh, I was in boot camp with guys who couldn't speak English, 
Hey, if you, if, you want to, if you want to talk about one of the worst thing that's ever, one of the worst things that's ever been done in American history, it's that fucking move. I mean, yeah. if you yeah. want to talk about, I don't even know what you would call it. It's elitist policies, yeah. right? It's yeah. let's send our fucking mentally deficient, let's send the dregs of our society to fight. That That's a worthy function for them. What a fucking piece of shit, man. Because those yeah. people don't understand what it takes to get cohesion and proficiency in this game. It's very difficult. Well, regardless of that, that's a suitable use for these people. Fuck, man. That's it. Bad. Oh, it's terrible. So, anyway, so um, Jeffrey, bottom line, do you think that the nation, you just think they'll lower the standards? I think you're right. I, I, that makes the most sense. I think that if you were a nation interested in, you know, uh, I don't even know what the right word is, um, doing the right thing, maybe, then you would have to consider the draft if the standard and was Tim, imp- if the yeah. standard was important to you. But in Timmy, a Republican in a Republican yeah. government, right, this is going to come with consequences. If if I vote to draft women, I'm going to get the wood laid to me at the ballot box. So what are the other COAs? Oh, lower the standards? Yeah, I vote for that because I don't want to do that. Tim, yeah. Like what Tim said, that's another this – is, this is throughout history. Big empires have done this. Third country national. Tim was right. They'll get – we'll have half of Mexico in the, uh, in the armed forces uh, who will gain citizenship – even though currently I don't think they even no, need to do that. No, all you got to do is set up recruiting stations, right? Yeah. On the Tijuana and, side, on the Juarez yeah. side. Mexico on, and Canada. You could get a shit ton out of Canada, too. We had Medal of Honor winners from Canada during the Vietnam War. Also, yeah. from, uh, also from, Gunny Stepp recruited a Canadian guy, got the Medal of Honor, and the dead is Dillinger. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to make fun of that. But uh, when Gunny was, a, he came out of Vietnam after 30 months in country, and he was a recruiter. And uh, it was hard. He's up there in the Pacific Northwest, but he got a Canadian kid. And there's also, uh, I think, two Mexican National Medals of Honor winner in the Marine Corps also. So, you know, they, you, that is a, and they will get them, we'll have, they'll get them from Ghana. They'll get them from Jamaica. They'll get them from fucking, uh, from Poland. They'll get them from everywhere. And uh, they'll teach him enough English to say, and, yes, and, sir, no, sir, and, and in you go, man. And so what is the, the so the carrot is uh, the reward of U.S. citizenship? Is yeah, that it? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you have to spend all that money. But, um, you know, what, what happened to Rome was after a while, people didn't give a shit about Roman citizenship. So you had to hire armies whole. And eventually those armies became the ones who invaded you. So, you know, it's like... Uh, you know the uh, you, you need to you need to keep uh, somewhere somebody has to hold the line in standards whether it's citizenship whether it's uh, military somebody has to hold the line otherwise the the carrot that you're offering will be smeared with shit and no one will want to take a bite out of it you know and the, your stick is uh you got to go heavy with the carrot because your stick's not uh, isn't uh, fearsome and then if your carrot tastes like shit you're just gonna fail eventually <laughs> you, somewhere somehow. Somebody's got to hold the line. We got to hold the line, gents. <laughs> yeah. If your but carrot, that, if your carrot tastes like shit, you're in, you're in trouble. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're in trouble. The uh, but that does seem the way it would be. 
I mean, could you imagine the state of the American military where... Um, you know, it's like the, the movie uh, uh, Gladiator was kind of a, it's, it's accurate in some ways. But if you remember, uh, the, the hero never even been to Rome until he was a slave. He was a general because yeah. he was he's from Spain and he joined the, he joined the Roman legions, became an officer, gets up to being a general. He's up there in Germany kicking ass for Rome, never been to Rome itself. I mean, that's good because most of our kids never been to Washington, D.C. You know, guys from out there in Boise, that Timmy's talking about, you know, or even from Pittsburgh. So, you know, the uh, but the idea is that uh, you go to these other countries and you who are still hardy, who are still hardy, you know, who, who still have uh, tough kids and you, you get them to join. Well, and, and I don't that's know ultimately bad. That's like drinking seawater, man, eventually. I don't know about you guys' experience, but when I was a second lieutenant, showed up at the at one nine for my first FMF tour, it rapidly became a, a for some reason our weapons platoon was almost all Mexican American, yeah. and I was remember thinking to myself several times because God those kids could hump weight. I thought to myself, man, if the Mexicans could put together a decent officer class, they'd be unbeatable, because because our our little uh, our, our our Marines were. were fucking well, I'll hard. tell you what, you know. They were hard. You know who You're takes you know who takes everybody down in Mexico? Who? The Mexican Marines do. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. We have a relationship with them. We yeah, with the, no, they, we're not supposed to talk about. Yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna talk yeah. too much about it, but they would come on the down low. Uh -huh. And you know, and there was nothing that was supposed to be I don't know if Jeff ever worked with them, but there was nothing that was ever said about it. Uh, and there wasn't very there wasn't hardly anything ever written about it uh, but they right. would come and they would train and they were i mean there were no shit maybe you can imagine fighting the cartels yeah. down there and then and then you have to fight your own internal corruption too and and then exactly right the zetas the yeah. zetas are our former our former Mar mexican marines most of them yeah who uh i think that's what it is the Z timmy might know better but the, the they're like uh they are their own cartel now. Yeah, they started it, right? Didn't they? Yeah, and the, um, yeah. But I, so, yeah, but, you know, and again, Hispanic Americans enlist in the Marine Corps disproportionately. They're the only, Marine Corps only service uh, to have mm -hmm. disproportionate represented by Hispanic Americans. Why? Disproportionate in, in KIAs, too. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, shit. Listen to this. Shit, I mean, this. I'll tell you what, if, if you want to yeah. look at the KIA and the WIA roles, especially the 1st Marine Division, yeah, yeah, stand the fuck by, you know? Stand yeah, the, you know, when I was a recruiter, by. when I was a recruiter, I was 1983 Recruiter of the Year for RS Denver, and I put in 49 um, Marines. 43 of ah, them. That's a good year, bro. 43, and they all made it through boot camp except the one non-grad I put in, who was a white kid named Joel Brush. Who escaped from Edson Range? <laughs> he went UA from boot camp, but uh, he's our, my only discharge. And uh, but but forty three of them were Hispanic American or Indian. Hey man, when, the, when, in, you know. when we I would have had them in my unit. I would have had a platoon of them. I, they were all you know. Now let me tell you, I, it, if it's still one of the coolest things you'll ever see, um, is um, and I've only I. I don't know that I've seen one at Paris Island, but I've seen it, uh, a, a recruit graduation at MCRD in San Diego. So, and, and relative to Hispanic Americans, what you see is grandma and gra grandpa, right? Abuela and abuelo, right? They're there. Blue jeans, 
belt with the big belt buckle, right? White shirt and the big white cowboy hat, right? I'm I'm describing the Sunday uniform in McAllen, Texas, right? And then <laughs> when uh, they haven't seen, like all families, they haven't seen their shithead kid in, in three months plus, and they see this kid's now, he's a leatherneck, man. He's He's got that clear look in his eye. He's got short hair. He's lost weight, right? All rocked up in that uniform. And then the big white handkerchief comes out, right? And now God only knows how the, some, how the family gets into the United States, right? But now my grandson is a United States Marine. And it's one of the coolest things you'll ever see in your life. If you're ever in San Diego on a Friday and you're looking for something to do, if you can get on base to go watch this thing, I guarantee you, you, you will not survive it without a tear coming out of your eye because it is the melting pot. And you see these families and, and they're so proud of their kids and, and whatnot. But for, I mean, again, a lot of these families did not start in the United States. Uh, they got here um, and now, you know, their grandson or granddaughter is a United States Marine. And, but again, you see these big Hispanic families and everybody's there. And the, But I always see the grandpa with the cowboy hat on, right? And the big white handkerchief. <laughs> Right, as they blow their nose and shit. It's uh no, I mean it's awesome. The, the other advantage was on my on my first deployment, we had a new join uh machine gunner. A, a kid was gonna miss miss movement. Come to gunner gets in, uh, calls Della Rosa our driver, and we get the, the mafia together. They start talking in Spanish to make a few phone calls. Didn't have cell phones back then, you know, they had to use the base phone. And within a half hour they had the kid located in a snatch team going up to grab him. <laughs> and all the gunning said it was, don't fuck them up. Just don't fuck them up. Just bring them back. And so they took care of their own, too. I mean, it, it was it was like it was like clockwork. Well, my best I Marine when I was a squad I leader. With yeah, my best Marine in the squad was the legendary Bitch DeLuna, man. <laughs> <Red -headed, laughs> That's the best story ever. Red-headed Mexican kid from Brownsville, Texas, you know. And uh, very good. Yeah. Oh, Bitch DeLuna. Hysterical <laughs> <laughs> <a> story. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, first of all, Jeffrey, are you working this week? What's going on? Yeah, I got I got to shave and try not to cut myself like Tim did. Tim did. And then I got to go right to work, man. All right. So I'm here. Well, good luck with your shave. Be careful. Thank you. I will. <laughs> Tim, have a good day. Thanks so much, brother. You guys right. have a great week. All right. Take care, guys. See you guys. Bye -bye. All right, man. Bye-bye. That'll do it on a Monday Talk about recruiting. Not the easiest thing currently. So if you're a recruiter out there and you listen, good luck, man. Yeah, if you look at the demographics and the, and the, and the things that make life difficult, right? More obesity among young people, more drug use that eliminates young people prescription drug use because that's the first course of action for many parents and then um, and then yeah we can't get in high schools for two, for two years and you want me to do what? you want me to succeed yeah so you can see the bonus card getting played um, and again, just so as a recruiting force, that's an act of desperation. So interesting, interesting stuff. So, I, so, and it's also pretty cool that both Tim and Jeff were recruiters. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, so it's always it's always cool to to be able to take advantage of their expertise. On that note, thanks for listening. I'm Mike McNamara, the Salmarine Radio. On a Monday, I'll be back on Wednesday with Grant Newsham, and then on Friday with the Mensa Brothers. So, have a great day. I'm out.